Hello everyone and welcome back to Sarah's Space. I have to confess I am doing this particular podcast quite late at night. My family is asleep and I am grabbing an opportunity before I leave town yet again, this time to do some more guest teaching on the island. I am filled with gratitude for all of the goodness and fullness and richness and love that I have had in my family and in my surroundings in the last uh, month and a half. And I am also mildly alarmed at how quickly the summer has gone past and how I am now stirring the middle of the summer right in the face and realizing I have but two and a half weeks left before it's back to full schedule which includes quite a bit considering uh, the homeschool component and that my daughter is heavily involved in dancing as well. However, not to sound at all uh, discontent with any of that, I just thought I would do a solo podcast before the summer was over to just share a couple of feelings about why I do what I do. I know in the past, Alyssa and I talked about it together, but recently due to some guest teaching, due to some exposure to different families, different uh, students, I have been reminded and let's also say replenished with that knowledge of, ah, right, this is why I do this. I think that I can actually, I've got a whole bunch of things that can tie into one answer. So the word trust means a great deal to me. I have to say that I am not comfortable or um, in a place of full openness unless I am trusting of that place. A great deal of that has to do with how I feel about myself. So my own trust in myself I also feel very strongly about communication and really don't think that relationships of any sort are worth much if there is not communication. So I have to genuinely say that that colors my teaching a great deal. It colors everything and every relationship that I have in my life a great deal. But Uh, Teaching, I would say trust and communication are two huge components of how I approach things. I also feel like the connection that we have to everything that's around us is becoming more and more important today. Uh, I don't mean today as in this day, August 15th, or actually sorry, 14th still for another hour, Um, but more the connection that we have in this day and age because so many of our connections are being done through cyberspace or digitally or uh, through words on a phone in text form uh, quite often in short format or in uh, what's that called slang and abbreviated format I am not being facetious there I actually don't I refuse to use abbreviated format or short format or slang when I am texting or emailing anyone just ask all my friends that receive those they probably find the long tome slightly annoying that's just the way I need to write uh, and communicate and I guess uh, the other thing that ties into the why I do what I do part and also my daily life is that 
I think it's really important to be 100% home in our own flaws. And oftentimes I will make sometimes a, an audibly heard, uh, m- meant for slight comic effect list of my flaws. Uh, let's just name a couple right now. My front teeth are not perfectly straight across and they're rather small for my large head. My ankles are a little thicker than I would like them to be. And once upon a time, I felt as though all the skin in my body was gravitationally centered upwards more than downwards. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I'm really actually very comfortable in my skin, both in a spiritual sense and in a uh, physiological sense. Because after all, it is my skin. And if I didn't have it on me in this particular way, I wouldn't be who I was. So. I guess sometimes um, one of the things that I encourage, well, I I don't guess, and it's not sometimes, it's actually all the time. One of the things that I encourage the most heavily when I am teaching is for all of us to learn as much as we can about ourselves, both from a physiological standpoint and what might be hindering uh, particular successes or progresses in the acquisition of our technique or our artistic ability or freedom. And then once we understand what we're, how we're made up and what, how our structure works and how it's all put together and maybe how, the, how we approach things more instinctively, then to get acquainted with our limitations. And those are mostly physically. Those are more to do with, you know, a natural tightness in the lumbar spine or a short, shorter hamstring or a shorter Achilles tendon or large feet or small feet or long arms or short arms or, you know, the list goes on. And I don't mean limitations in a negative way. I mean limitations in a, sometimes our feelings can, can be endless and tell us that we have, you know, limbs for days and we have movement for days. But in actuality, with, with, the stature that we have, we want to create that feeling for ourselves. So the more we understand the stature we have and how to create that space around us and that visual and that way of moving, then the better off we are, both as a communicative artist and also as a receptor of other people's work. And in relation to the flaws department again as well, is flaws are really what we perceive or what we allow others to tell us that they perceive. Because I think personally that that, that old adage that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, it really 100% is true. There are, of course, shall we say, beauty standards in many walks of life, dance being certainly one, heavy, heavy walk of life. (laughs) I'm using really bad metaphors here considering I'm talking about being a dancer, but uh, in the sense that yes, the the beauty demands have been made very clear over the years and they have ever so slightly morphed into something more open-minded and accepting of the vast, diverse and wide array of exquisite dancers encased in wonderful structure and skin and bones and that it doesn't all have to look exactly the same. But there are definitely things that we want for ourselves when we are moving. One of them could be described as fluidity. Another one could be described as an understanding of the 
the dynamic and movement quality that we're dealing with. So if we have a certain way of interpreting things muscularly or structurally that we resonate with them the most instinctively and instantaneously, we need to understand that about ourselves because it will definitely influence the way that we interpret someone's work. And if that person is expressing to us, oh, I'd really like you to explore this or this dynamic, if we only, I guess, if we only understand what other people tell us, or if we only understand things in one dimension, we can't possibly fulfill that other aspect of ourselves. So I encourage all of my students, and certainly have encouraged myself, to continuously understand and to continuously seek understanding in what we see ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, and to not let others tell us what that is. Because it's not just ballet, it's not just dance. There are many walks of life and and um, stations of life, that's not the right word, activities that one will do that people will say things such as, oh, I'm so glad you're working the till because you're so good at math. There, we've just been pigeonholed. Whether or not that person actually has any perception as, as to our mathematical ability could have been made up because they knew us in high school and we got a really good mark on a quiz that they happened to be privy to know the result of. Sometimes it's that silly. Sometimes it is of a more substantiated variety and, and perhaps we really are in the gifted department or at least in the fully understanding department of that strange language of math. In the dance department, I think that most often when people tell us what they see in the sense of a limitation, I feel as though they feel like they're doing us a service so that we may now focus all of our attentions in fixing, and I'm putting that in air quotes, that problem. Excuse me as I have a sip of water. When really, just because we have a limitation physically or they've told us we have a limitation physically, it doesn't mean that we have a problem. It doesn't mean that there's anything actually wrong. It just means that we are kind of going down a corridor, opening doors as far as we can open them, and some of them open wider than others. And I was thinking of something the other day. I actually said it out loud while I was teaching. I was, I was talking about movement, and I was trying to get some young dancers to understand what movement I was asking of them. It wasn't that I was getting trying to have them just learn the steps or understand this little facet of choreography or understand the technical demands that I was asking of them. I was telling them that what I would have loved is for them to draw the parallel between what it means to be moved. And they understood right away because, I mean, I think that's a phrase, a fairly well used phrase that they, it was someone might say, oh, that performance moved me. Or when I saw that, that person sing, it moved me. And I said, well, what does that mean? And then someone said, well, that makes you feel something. And I said, well, that's what I would like you to do. That's what movement is. It's all the same root word. And I saw in so many of their eyes that dawning of, oh, of course. And I think that we can quite often get quite far from that and forget that when we are dancing, we are finding that within us that moves us. 
so that we may then take other people on our journey. And I think that it's fair to say that if one started dancing at a young age and not came upon it later as a young adult or an older adult, that we probably danced around with a great amount of, of uninhibited gay abandon and, and gleeful exploration and adventure, adventurous explosiveness. And I think that once we start training it, suddenly it becomes wrong. It becomes not enough. It becomes incorrect. It becomes something that we are suddenly very at odds with as opposed to hanging on to that feeling that got us dancing in the first place. That feeling will feed us in those hard times when a particular technical acquisition eludes us. And I, I encourage that heartily with all of my students. In regards to me bringing up the word trust and, and communication and that being the basis of a relationship, well, I see in the eyes of a, well, let me sort of throw out a statistic. I would say that I see in the eyes of approximately half of the young people that I work with a mild distrust upon first meeting, um, a reservation, always polite, always respectful, but that, and quite often I'll describe it as intimidated, very quiet and, and waiting for, I guess the shoe to drop, waiting for some sort of sign of, of my power <laughs> or my authority. And it usually takes one class. Um, it's helpful if it's a two hour class, if it's a shorter class, I do my best for me to, um, show them that I too am human, that I too am flawed, that a sense of humor is invaluable, that being aware of the things that are not working in the moment or one's perceived flaws is imperative so that one can then embrace them and make them part of our strengths. I also try very hard to let dancers know that they are in charge of how they move their bodies. It is not about, oh, Sarah's at the front of the room and I really want to please her and so I'm going to do it this way. What, what it is about is, oh, Sarah's at the front of the room and she's opening a doorway for me to walk through and she's given me some directions and I would really like to explore them because I'd like to know what that feels like on my body and, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, I'd like to find this particular conduit. Oh, look, Sarah's given me some more information. And so that the whole process that they're going through is something that they can take ownership of and that when I leave, it's not about what I gave them or created for them, they created it for themselves. I was just simply almost like a guide. So that particular aspect of trust is imperative to me. Another one that I think doesn't get talked about enough and I do want to mention is from the parents. When I have a parent who entrusts their child, especially in privates or especially in a solo choreography because we're in one-on-one, um, a one-on-one -on -one paradigm, and when they entrust their young person to share that creative time with me, I am really honored because I know that they, or I'm assuming that they know that I value that and honor that with all of my being and want that child or that young person 
to come away from that experience feeling empowered, feeling um, kind of delighted actually with the self-discovery that they may have uh, experienced. I also want them to feel filled with light, both in their heart and in their being, so that they recognize that the whole process of us working together is for them to build and to um, take off perhaps layers and to discover and to explore. It's not about me recreating or creating on them or worse yet, creating them. It really is meant to be a collaborative affair and that brings in the the communication uh, component. If if I am, well, I am quite intense in my conversations. I think everyone will attest to that. If I am intensely and hopefully delightedly looking you in the eye and giving you some food for thought or some uh, movement exploration to, to grab onto, I absolutely love seeing the communication coming back from the dancer's eyes. Many, many dancers, many, many young people, many humans in general, are not comfortable articulating their thoughts and their feelings through words. Many are learning that they, if they want to dance, they're already communicating. If they want to dance with alacrity and with uh, skill and with polish, they they take what they are already in, instinctively doing in a form of communication and they, they, they just hone that. They don't break it down and and beat it up and tell it it's wrong, but they hone it. And in honing it, they get a chance to use all that they have learned in an expressive and freeing way. And I have to say, going back to the first statement that I made, which is why I do what I do, is because those moments when I get to see the dancers' eyes light up and I know that they're feeling this quality in their spirit that just fills them with absolute joy and pride, that can mean so much to me. And I feel as though so many times in life, too much time is spent trying to make someone feel something instead of listening to what they really feel. So that is something that I search for when I'm creating dancer and teacher relationships. And that is definitely the one of the drives that pushes me forward when I am extremely tired or have been going through a taxing time as as you all heard that my July was of a bit of a challenge, but this whole summer of guest teaching and choreographing commissions has been really, truly rewarding on so many levels. And it's not over yet. I'm looking forward to even more. And regarding the whole summertime thoughts, I what I also wanted to mention and and celebrate and maybe emphasize is that as summer draws to a close, I hope that all of you have young and old, uh, teacher, student, whoever you might be, are able to reflect on the time that you just played and that you 
just spent time being yourselves in this particular season and that you didn't necessarily structure the dickens out of everything or you know start with a list of expectations as to all the things you needed to fulfill for it to be an appropriate or successful summer because i feel like those of us that are governed a bit more by the calendar either because we work in the same sort of seasonal structure as a school year or because that's just the way our life is, I feel like we really need to take the time that we can to replenish. And remembering that family time is like being nourished from within. It does not need to be done in a certain fashion. It does not need to fulfill some sort of obligation. And it's really important to remember that it doesn't need to be perfect. And quite honestly, I would say that the very beauty of families is that they aren't perfect, that every family has a plethora of uh, scars and and mistakes, as it were, <laughs> or things that one could say are imperfections, and that's what creates that beautiful bond that cannot be replicated elsewhere. But I think that I, I guess I stress the whole replenishing from the inside and nourishing from within within our families because I kind of hope that they're the ones that know us best and that it's the place that we can most comfortably be 100% ourselves without the concern of fulfilling any expectations that may be set by the outside world either because that's the paradigm we've set up in our lives and hopefully you haven't but if you have then allowing yourself to just be would be well amazing actually and last but not least one thing I also wanted to just talk about was that I think that summer for the dance world in particular and for those still in training and actually not just those in training because it pertains to teachers as well that attend all sorts of workshops throughout the summer I think it's an incredible time to find the muse within ourselves and to be open to the fact that it might actually appear in a guise we are not used to or in such an unexpected way or steer us in such a new and unexpected direction that we find ourselves uh, taken aback, lost for words. And inevitably, we find ourselves more inspired than ever before. So for young people, this quite often comes in the shape of a summer program or a summer workshop or a summer school that they had a chance to attend. Sometimes for teachers, it's within the guise of a workshop or a convention or in some other form of learning that makes that teacher feel comfortable or guides them. And I think that all of those experiences, if one remains open to them and doesn't go in with a distinct, okay, out of this, I'm going to get, or I have to fulfill this by the end, I think sometimes they can be earth shatteringly important. For instance, I'll bring up one from when I was 14. It was the first time that I had been away from home. I never went to a summer camp or any such thing. And I went all the way to San Francisco for a ballet summer school, uh, courtesy and with great gratitude for the treat by a family friend who essentially sponsored me to go, as we wouldn't have been able to send me financially. 
and along with the scholarship that I was lucky enough to get from the summer school, I was able to go to San Francisco and have this incredible experience in which my 15th birthday actually took place there. Now, I yes, I learned a lot while I was dancing. Yes, I learned a lot about myself in relation to the other young women that were there. It was my first exposure to Alonzo King, the director of Lines, and it was just at its inception period. So he was still sort of spending more time in the academic slash school atmosphere, probably sussing out the young people that he was working with at the time as the beginning of his company idea, the germination of his very interesting ideas. And that was that exposure, plus the incredible facility we danced in, plus the whole just feeling very professionally uh, taken care of during that time period. I I loved all of that. I learned a great deal. I came back feeling strengthened and empowered and incredibly inspired to move forward from there into my later teens as a dancer. But you know, one of the most formative experiences of that was I was so desperately homesick. And because my birthday was down there and because my family and I were and still are very close and we shared so much time together, I I literally felt like my heart was breaking on the day of my birthday. And remember the night before bawling my eyes out on the hall phone where we all, you know, all lined up to do our phone calls home. And as luck would have it, a family friend happened to be in the San Francisco area. And I guess, I don't know how that came about. I guess my mom must have had some contact one way or the other and let this family friend know. And he kindly showed up with his daughter, who was uh, two years younger than me, and took me out for the weekend. And because of that experience, being shown San Francisco through the eyes of someone who was very comfortable in the city and very familiar with the city, and also, you know, a dad and, and with his young daughter, and they were familiar from home, I ended up falling in love with San Francisco. And to this day, it's one of my favorite cities in the world. So, you know, if you keep your mind open, you never know the experience you're going to have. And I really think that those experiences, even if there's, if they're in a totally different direction, such as going for a camping trip in a place that maybe you just always love going because you can rest and be at peace or, or because it is so beautiful and nature feeds your soul. All of those experiences enrich our lives in sometimes small or grand ways. And they are all part of what makes us feel fed and inspired and ready to move through our days. And it could be on a more banal um, plane, such as, you know, grocery shopping, going to school, day-to-day uh, -day activities, or it could be something that allows us to feel amused within and in and create some exquisite work of choreography or 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 reach new heights as a dancer or write the most beautiful prose you've ever written. I mean, I'm just mentioning a few very small artistic conduits. And I also, at this point, do want to make special mention that I have 
not forgotten <laughs> that there are some conversations I would like to have regarding some wonderful feedback from friends and former students and I would like to to in in giving honor to those the, the time that they took to even write me what their thoughts were I would like at this point to just sort of close today's conversation which is a slightly shorter one but I would like to uh, talk about I guess the word potential and I think potential is such an interesting word because I have to confess and say as an adjudicator it is one that trips off the tongue with great ease and when I say it what I mean is oh my goodness look how much you are already fulfilling look how much you are already filling the space all I see are more and more doors open before you and the potential for you to walk through those doors is so great so for me I'm seeing it as my goodness look at what I already see so much of and there's even more out there for you so it's kind of like looking at I would say a vessel of humanity that is just busting forth with with rich and amazing possibilities I have heard from many many of my teenagers that the word potential to them means that mm, yeah you're not quite there yet but you probably could get there if you worked harder and my goodness it was such an interesting perspective to hear because I never even thought of it that way so I've been very cautious in the way I use it and in adjudications I make sure that myself and the writer that I am lucky to work with we probably spend a lot of time making sure that it's very clear as to how I mean it the other interesting thing is when it's given to us um, at a young age and we ostensibly don't fulfill the potential that people are talking about I can say um, in my particular case in school I was told you know how much potential I had to become a lawyer become a doctor or to just simply win the top scholarship to as for an entrance a scholarship to get into SFU or UBC or had I contemplated this career or that career because I have potential and of course as one is probably aware I have not pursued any of those particular avenues in life I have found intense satisfaction and fulfillment in the avenues I have pursued because they've been ones that have come from the heart and I still have enormous amounts of potential they're just lying in all facets of life that I have potential to evolve further as a human being I have potential to be an, a better mother um, a better wife slash partner slash friend um, I have always potential to be a better teacher better choreographer I don't I, I genuinely just don't think that potential ever stops and I think that you know sometimes people will will ask me or say to me it seems like you know you're you're there I mean you just you have it all together and and you you're done <laughs> you've reached your potential oh goodness that would be such a sad state of affairs I am not done I am not there I've not reached my potential and I kind of look delightedly forward at all that is 
awaiting me, including growing very, very old. My goal is 100 and becoming even more gravitationally skin challenged and possibly a little bit more eccentric in my movement quality <laughs> as the days and months go, go by and in even more human communications that fill my soul and make me feel as though the wealth of humanity is not only rich and alive but it has potential to continue forth and to create a wonderful legacy for those before, after, and during. So in response to a, a feedback given a long time ago that I'm so sorry it's late and I just feel as though that word possibly has been given too much weight over time and what it means to me is something quite expansive, generous, and wonderful. And on that note, I am going to say goodnight and hope that you are all fulfilling the potential of the summer, the rest of the summer, and fulfilling the potential that you feel within yourselves at this time and looking forward to finding out even more potential that exists within and around you. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you again for coming and visiting me in Sarah's space. Good night.